0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 185. If you like brass, try out these other games. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode.
1: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of
0: like Voltron but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at DicetowerNetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing great. i got a lot of games in this week, and especially Scythe, The Rise of Fenris, which I'll be talking about. Do not worry, I will not be providing any spoilers whatsoever so you can listen to the review spoiler free. I've gone to great lengths to make sure that there's nothing in the upcoming at the table that's going to spoil it for you, but I will try to give you the best possible review of the game and then at some other point in some other form possibly, at least until Anthony has a chance to play it and the statute of limitations kind of pass by, I won't be doing a spoiler review, so don't worry about that. We're going to be talking about it, so letting you know if you should pick that up, but I'll leave that for at the table. Getting some games to
1: table this week? Well, we're talking about Brass, so I figured I would make sure I had played both the update, Lancashire Brass, and Birmingham, the new version of Brass. So I'm going to talk about both of those that I've played a couple times each in the last week, and then obviously Brass several, several more times before that. Kind of give a comparison, what we think of the updates, as well as what do you think of the new version, because I, I think a lot of people have questions about that one.
0: Yeah, I got it to the table as well, and I'm really excited about it because I played the original, and it was okay, and playing this new one, you know, had a little bit of a different effect on me, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's basically what's going on with us. Let's find out what's going on with all our listeners, Anthony. So what's our question of the week? All right, question of the week this week is, are
1: there any board game franchises for you which you will buy just about anything released, even if you don't play it very often? So, tapping into the the acquisition disorder hard this week. Lots of different answers, not surprising considering the audience. Dave gave a very long answer saying why you expansions are bad and you should not add expansions to the game, although in the end he did admit Uh, Dominion, as well as Concordia and Hansa Teutonica, He'd buy anything for any of those. So, yeah, you contradicted yourself, Dave. Uh, (laughs) Mike mentions Cosmic Encounter, which has a lot of good content. Amy says Lord of the Rings LCG, although she's a little bit behind on all of it. Uh, Tim mentions Dominion. Uh, Lots and lots of good content for that game. Willie mentions the Marvel Legendary expansions. Uh, Peter says Seven Wonders, Power Grid, and anything Stonemire. I had a Few people mentioned Uve Rosenberg and just picking up all of his games. Uh we also have Mansions of Madness, Mice and Mystics came up a couple times, even if though we haven't had any new content for that in a little while. So lots of good stuff there. Uh I have I have a bunch, but the two big ones where I buy a lot of content and I don't necessarily get to it are Star Wars Imperial Assault, which I think I'm still on like box two, and there's like seven that are released, of which I have all of. Um, <laughs> And then the Arkham LCG, which again, I'm like on the the second cycle and they're on the cycle three or four by now. So it's one of those things, like once you're in a little bit, you want to stay caught up and the content is good. And in my case for Arkham, especially... With Lord of the Rings, eventually it became very hard to find those. So I'm like, no, I'm going to keep caught up because eventually I'm going to get there and I don't want to not be able to find these. So (laughs) that's where I'm at on those.
0: Yeah, for me, I I think this is also for you too. I think you talked about this recently. Arcadia Quest having (laughs) all the different figures. I think at this point we're kind of okay with the expansions, but there's a lot of those figures still floating out there. So I really want to collect them all. So it's more about collecting at this point than playing, which is kind of sad. I guess going along with that, the Star Trek Attack Wing, I'm still trying to collect all of these ships from the Deep Space Nine era. I'm not interested in the Voyager era or even the Borg era. I just like to collect them all because, once again, it's one of my favorite shows, especially Star Trek shows, so trying to collect all of that. And probably as far as just board gaming is concerned, something that I've been collecting over the years is Defender of the Realms with all of its expansions. They've had multiple Kickstarters that i backed. I think at this point, and I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think I'm just missing the special miniatures that come along with the minions, and I'm definitely missing all the painted versions of everybody. So that's something that I'm going to hold back on until I actually get the game to the table, but I probably will pick that up at some point. It just kind of reminds me of buying all these different RPG source books. I just like to have all of those different asymmetrical powers or these different characters just to kind of look at and just be like, wow, I got a lot of options here, even though I probably will never play with all of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with you know Arcadia Quest or Imperial Assault or all the stuff that I have on these shelves and I'm like, I don't use any of this, but still fun.
0: It's nice to look at. Yeah, I'm definitely a completionist. So once I get into a game and really do like a game, I really want to pick up everything for the game. And over the years, that's kind of gotten expensive, especially when you're dealing with Board Game Geek, and you're picking up a you know, promo tile or a promo card, and that's going to cost you 5 bucks. which if you look at the cost of the game, it's a good chunk of the game. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little odd if you think about it. But nonetheless, all right, Anthony, so that's pretty much what's going on with our listeners. But if they want to jump in, they can find us in a number of different social media spots. Don't forget, we're on Facebook where Question of the Week always pops up as well as on Twitter. We just recently had a listener saying, hey, didn't know you guys actually had a Facebook page. So for him and for maybe one or two of those other people who don't know or if you're a new listener, please join us. Like us. Follow us. It's really important. We love to hear from you and we really don't hear enough from you. So if you haven't gotten a chance at this point to reach out to us, please do so. You can obviously also reach us on BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our website, a lot of great content there. Anthony just recently updated our guild on BoardGameGeek. You can find our episodes there, or you can find our episodes on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to get in contact with us, there's a lot of great places for that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but Anthony, let's get on to our acquisition disorders, so what's coming up for you this week? All right, so this one popped up this morning, and or yesterday morning,
1: I believe, and that is a expansion for Queen Bra. It is called Royal Treatment. It is a small little box, only $15, and I believe they're saying it is web-only, which, it's Eggertspiel and Plan B, and they say that kind of stuff all the time, so who knows if it's true. I'm sure you'll still be able to find it at conventions, too. But it is more content for this game that I really enjoyed, and I've been playing a lot this summer, and that I feel needs more content, so I'll pick it up regardless. The box itself is a dice box, which is a nice touch. It comes with four additional custom dice that have two colors on them, so gets you a little bit more strategy there in terms of how you approach it, more decision-making to be had. You also have an option for income dice, um, and trading resources for different types of income, plus a new end-game scoring category. So it's not a lot of stuff in the box. I think it's four dice, four wooden bells, and then the box itself. But the things you can do with all that sound interesting. And any more variability to this game, because I feel like it came with just enough out of the box to play it. There's no extra cards. There's no extra tracks. There's no extra tiles. So it's nice to get anything additional to kind of extend the game, be able to play it a little bit more, especially with the people I've been playing it a lot with. So
0: looking forward to this one. Queen Bra, Royal Treatment. Now having those special dice might add a little more to the game. And I think that was our overall kind of consensus that the game needed a little bit more. So maybe this is a little bit more that it's been looking for.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would be happier if there was new cards in here too, but maybe the next one.
0: All right, Anthony. So the game that I'm looking forward to is something that recently popped up from our friend Jemmy Steckmeyer from Stomeyer Games. And this is a brand new game, not terribly surprising. We had heard about, I guess this was rumored for quite some time it is between two castles of mad king ludwig because i guess if you're totally mad one castle is not enough so what we're looking at here is a combination of the castles of mad king ludwig and between two cities and basically what we're going to find here is there's going to be some i, I guess a merging of the game some variation here as far as using some of the elements from both of the games. But specifically, you are still building, I guess in this case, two castles. But you are passing around the different tiles with the other players at the table. They're also building their two castles. And what you're trying to do is have, I guess, an equal number of points there. But unlike the original Between Two Cities, you're not locked into that basic grid format you're allowed to really expand, kind of like what the castles basically do. So the partnership mechanic is the same. The castles have a lot more variation between the tiles. And basically you're going to find bonuses very similar to castles in which by placing certain tiles you'll get certain bonuses and you're also going to be able to score additional points based upon what buildings you put together, which is similar to cities, but the scoring is going to be more closely aligned with the Mad King. I really, really like this. This is extremely exciting. I think we talked about this way, way back when, when we first reviewed Between Two Cities, which we liked a lot. But the artwork and the grid that you kind of set up was kind of very, very basic. And it just really left something to be desired. And it felt like anything could be on this. And this seems to be a good partnership here. What do you think, Anthony?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was... I'm not going to say I was surprised, I mean it makes sense, but at the same time we knew that they were working on a castles version of Between Two Cities, and then when I saw Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, I was like, is that a joke? Is that just someone <laughs> pl- make a play on words? Like, no, no, it's real. They're just two random things mashed together. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite up at the level of like Machi Koro Legacy, which still sounds like a joke, yes. but it's, it, it is like one of those things you're like, seriously? Okay, cool. Yeah, why not?
0: (laughs) And Jamie Stegmaier is so great with his gamers. He really listens to us and really puts great things into play. So really excited about this and really uh, thankful that this will be coming out soon. All right, Anthony, so that's our Acquisition Disorders. It's moving fast. It's moving furious. Let's get on to our At the Tables this week. So for At the Tables this week, we are talking about two games that recently hit the table. And we're going to let you know if those games are a buy, and you should run out and pick those games up right away. If those games are a play and you should sit down and play them right away, if those games are a dodge and you should avoid them at all costs, or if the game is a dreaded burn and it should just not exist whatsoever. All right, Anthony, so what actually did hit your table this week?
1: Okay, I'm going to talk about two games, but they are pretty much the same game. This is Brass Lancashire and Brass Birmingham, the two releases from Roxley Games. Um, from their Kickstarter last year. And so the way it works is Brass Lancashire is an updated, beautified version of the original Brass, a game that's been out since 2007 and is in the top 100 on BGG, um, number 31 overall, actually. So this is a very well-regarded game. Lots and lots of people love it. I had not played it a ton before this version came out. So this was kind of my reintroduction to the game, and I think I'd actually played Age of Industry a little bit more, which is a game that re-implemented Brass to some degree. But uh, with the new version, it is much prettier, much more accessible, and hitting the table a lot more often, which is great. So if you haven't played Brass, it is an economic game in which you are an entrepreneur in the Industrial Revolution, and you are building... Various types of industry and canals and railways and basically just trying to develop the industry of the area and get the most points for doing so. So on your turn, you'll be able to do one of several things, um, all corresponding to cards in your hand. You get to take two actions on your turn. You can place an industry tile. And you'll have a tableau in front of you full of different industry tiles you can place. You have to place them in order, though. Um, they're all numbered from one to five-ish. And then you can build a canal or a rail. So the way the game works is it takes place over the course of two eras. The first half is the canal era. The second half is the rail era. And if in the first half you can only build canals and on the map there, it shows you where those canals can go versus where rails can go. And there are some mutually exclusive places. The other option is to develop industry. You can sell cotton. The developing the industry is just removing tiles from your board. Cost iron, fairly easy to do and it helps you get to the higher level buildings later on. Selling cotton allows you to sell from one of those types of buildings to a ship or a port or some connection point and then you flip it over and you get income. And so most of what you're trying to do is put your tiles on the board, flip them over and generate additional income and eventually victory points. That The income is important because you do spend a lot of money in this game, go through it fairly quickly and you need to generate a decent amount round over round. Now the money's not worth anything, and you probably want to get as close to zero by the end of the game as you can to maximize efficiency, but if you don't generate a decent amount of income early, it'll be difficult to do what you want to do later in the game. So there's definitely a balancing act there. You want to get the income, but if you get too much income, you're not getting points, because they tend to offset each other. The final thing you can do is you can take a loan. And so the loans allow you to, you reduce your income level, but then you take some additional money that you can use in the short term. And unlike Wallace's other games, the loans don't have to be paid back. You're just reducing your income level. So it's not as painful. It's not as debilitating. It's not as stressful as some of his other games where you take a loan and if you don't pay it back, it's negative points at the end of the game you just reduce your income and now you get less money next time and it almost always makes sense to do it when you need it so it's a nice mechanic you're not blocked from doing other things by doing that so it's it's a very interesting game the use of cards to play out all these things the cards will correspond to either industries or locations on the map Um, how things connect to each other because some things you know it's easier to get from one point to another or but maybe in the first round you can't get all the way around where you're trying to go. The the need to build out a network or route so you can reach certain places, but it doesn't really matter whose network or route is there. You can utilize someone else's if you need to. The it's all kind of comes together in this very sleek but relatively simple game. You know, you look at the rule book and despite the 3.8 weight on the game, there's only like five or six pages of solid rules here. Does not take a lot to get into it, which is really, really cool. You know, one of those heavy games that you can pick up, you know, in 30 minutes, but it'll take a lifetime to master. And I think this new version really does a lot of nice things. So it does make a few tweaks. Um, It changes some of the links. It rebalances the three player mode. Um, It makes it playable with two players on the same board, which I know is important for a lot of people. Uh, It changes, I think, the point values on a couple of the tiles that were a little off. So nothing major, just small tweaks from the designer. I, I think everybody's fine with those. This is obviously a buy. It's one of the top heavy games of all time. I'm not going to argue with that. What people really seem to want to know, though, is about Birmingham. So Birmingham is, it's brass, but it's a new version of brass. And it's it's funny because I say new version of brass and people are saying, well, they're both new versions of brass. But this one actually has new rules, new mechanics, It changes the game enough to have its own entry on BGG, which is the important part. Instead of going back through everything I just said, I'm just going to tell you what's different. And so if you've already played Brass, but you want to know what's different for this one, this is what you want to know and uh, kind of give the general impressions. So the few tweaks that I think are most important here, the loans are always 30 now, so you don't have the option of taking 10 to 30, it's always 30. You have a sixth action now, which lets you discard three cards from your hand and picking up... A wild location and a wild industry card so there was a double action build in brass but now you have this option to take these wild cards into your hand you can only ever have one of each there's enough for everybody so that's interesting the biggest change however is the new cell system so before if you had industry tiles on the board in the form of cotton you you, all you had to do is have a route connecting that cotton back to a port of some kind and then you could take a sell action, flip it over, get your income and your points. You have three different types of goods. You have manufactured goods, you have pottery, and you have brewery. And the manufactured goods and the pottery can go back to the different ports, but you're gonna be placing tiles out at these different locations, and they're going to tell you what types of goods those locations want. One of the locations will take anything, Some of them are only gonna take maybe one type of good or another type of good. And you still have the cotton as well. So you now have three different things you can sell, plus it adds in the idea of the brewery and the beer. The beer is needed to sell the goods. So if you wanna sell anything, um, you have to consume beer in some form. And to do that, you need to be connected to the beer and you need to have enough of it because some of these tiles need you to have two beers <laughs> very thirsty people so the the difference here is somebody can build a brewery and put beer out on the map and then you other people could consume that the same as they would coal in the in the base game or you can consume the beer from the the port locations that you're shipping to now those are kind of limited there's only a few of them out there and once they're gone for the era they're gone but if you get one of them you get a bonus too so there's bonuses like Get a two income bump or four points, which are nice, or free development. And people are going to race for those pretty quickly. So it's, it's good to get them while you can. Now, I know it's a little controversial. Some people don't like the idea of having to consume this extra resource to sell stuff. Some of the, like the pottery, for example, is like a funny kind of resource in that you can't develop it off that first tile cost of fortune to build. And it's worth a lot of points, but it's hard to get out. The second one, however, is very cheap and not worth very much. Then the third one is very expensive again and worth a lot of points. So it's kind of like this weird kind of balancing act of where the values are on things. Uh, there are no ships now. There were ships in the original. There are no ships now uh, because you're no longer on the ports. You're like along the river. So it is a little bit different in a lot of ways. The coal and the iron market is a little bit bigger because you're using more of it. So it can, the price can go up to 8 each now instead of, I think it was 6 before. So it is different and yet not different. If you know the game, you can skim through the rulebook and pick these new rules up relatively quickly. There's a couple of little tweaks here and there that can throw things off a little bit, but overall the game is fairly similar. I actually like this version a little bit better, and I know know there's people listening who are going to be like, no, they changed it, it's no good. We've talked to several of those people already who are not a fan of the, the new changes here, and... I think part of that is I was not a big brass player before. I didn't play it very much in its original form. I'm not somebody who's, you know, put in hundreds of hours of this game or played the app a bunch. i played it a couple times. I've played it more now with the new version. And having played Birmingham, I like that that sell action actually requires a little bit more thinking and planning now. You know, if there's no beer on the map, you can't sell your goods. But then if you build a brewery, someone might take your beer to sell their own goods which isn't bad because now you can flip over your tile and you get points for that, but you still need to sell your goods. So you have to plan carefully. You don't want to put out a whole bunch of different goods and then not be able to sell them because then they don't score. So you want to do it kind of in a push and pull. But because you can sell multiple goods with one action, it is also nice to get a few in at a time. It's difficult to kind of manage all that, But it adds a little bit more depth, I think, in a place that the original game was not very deep. You just put the tile out, you connect it somewhere, you flip it over. And that's not to say Lancashire is a lighter game. Um, I think these games are fairly comparable in terms of weight. Brass, Birmingham might be a little bit heavier. But like even on BGG, I think it's like 0.05 difference. It's pretty small. But I really, really enjoy this. I, I still don't know that I'd need both in my collection, except for the fact that there are some people I know who don't want to play the new one, so it's nice to have the old one around. I am a fan, though. I, I really much enjoy this. Uh, I wish I'd gotten in on the Kickstarter originally, and not having to pick it up later down the line. But if you like Brass, I do recommend playing both of these versions uh, before you pick either of them up, because, like I said, some people who are big fans of the old one not love the new mechanics... But as somebody who is a fan of heavy games and had not played a ton of brass, I'm a big fan of Birmingham as well as the original. I think they're both very good. So both buys for me.
0: Yeah, I recently got a chance to get Lancashire to the table. I played the original, played Lancashire, and I was really greatly surprised of how much the graphic design did for the game. The game itself is on the dry side, of course. It's definitely a heavy, crunchy game. But the artwork and design did a lot for the game. And the poker tokens, the cash in the game that came with the Kickstarter, were really, really nice. They were lighter than your standard poker chip, but they were a really fine quality and added a lot to the game. The board is dark, so if you do have any particular vision issues, it might be a little troublesome. Some of the gamers at my table you know had a minor problems here and there but we were lucky enough to have enough light over the board itself but this is a buy for me as well i'm pretty surprised i thought it was just going to be maybe a play at best but this is surprisingly a buy and i'm really looking forward to playing the other version as well
1: yeah this is this instantly jumps up there as like one of the more beautiful euros on the market you know up with any eno tool production it's beautiful to look at I do wish it was a little bit brighter. Like you said, it is kind of dark to look at, and it's tough in, like, coffee shop lighting or something. But, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I did think it was funny, too, because my local store got in, like, the regular edition of this, which is all the same artwork, but without the iron clays and some of the other updates. And the box is only, like, maybe half an inch or an inch thick versus, like, the big, thick box, and it's because there's those iron clays aren't in there. It doesn't weigh as much. So if you play with the Kickstarter edition and then you pick up the retail edition... It is a little bit smaller, uh, but they are going to be kickstart against selling those poker chips separately. So if you missed out on them, you'll still be able to check them out later.
0: Yeah, I really, really liked those poker chips. And I, th- I felt like you could probably use those in a lot of games because they were high quality. They were really something that was kind of universal, but they weren't as heavy as some other friends poker chips. All right, Anthony. So finally, let's get into the non-spoiler review of Scythe. The Rise of Fenris. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a difficult review, but as I mentioned, no spoilers here, so don't worry. This is the third expansion for Scythe, and currently it's been talked about as the final expansion for Scythe. In the game itself, you are going to find a modular expansion and a campaign expansion. The modular expansion means basically that All of the components that are available in the game throughout the campaign are available after the campaign. So you can choose to just play the different modules and you can look through this really high-quality rule book, And it will tell you exactly how you can play with these different elements in the game. Obviously, if you jump into the module expansions, you're going to kind of spoil it for you. There's no going back as far as that's concerned. So I would highly recommend playing through the campaign expansion first, because the game itself does a very good job revealing each of these modules. In fact, the game really does feel like he built all these modules first, and then they put them together and kind of laid them out in a campaign kind of setting. So as the game goes on, these different modules become available in each game. So each and every game, and there are eight games in this campaign has a different element that changes Scythe just a bit, some more than others. And obviously, if you're playing with the Invaders from Afar expansion or if you're playing with the Wind Gambit expansion, the campaign's going to let you know what you can do with those, when you can use them, when you can't use them. Basically, the Invaders from Afar is going to be available to be used throughout the game. The Wind Gambit's only at certain times, and there's special rules that go along with that. Now, the campaign expansion which I got a chance to play through thanks to some of my friends Mark especially for hosting. It was extremely enjoyable. I really like what they did how they incorporated the artwork that we know from Scythe in, into a interesting timeline that played out the story and gave us some background for Scythe that you might have somewhat put together having played the game but now here it is in print. So In the beginning, there is a kind of lengthy, I would say, kind of prequel. Like, if you look at Scythe or if you looked at the the prehistory of Scythe, this gave us information of how the world kind of set up. And then you kind of take over and it walks you through the next several years to a final conclusion. Now, I will say the final conclusion was disappointing. And I think it was done in that way because it wanted to allow some variety. So... I'm offering, I I would say, this information just because I don't want your expectations to be so high. Because the game does a really good job kind of like giving you an idea of this bigger, bigger world. And at the end, because it's a campaign, they want your score to mean something. So based upon your final score, there's going to be some kind of wrap-up there. But it's not going to be this epic Lord of the Rings final wrap-up. So... Basically, that's there for the campaign. As I mentioned, the modules are available. You can use, as I said, the different expansions based upon what's available. There's also a solo version to this game. So if you just want to play this by yourself, uh, Scythe is known for its Autonoma. So there is definitely something you can kind of play through on your own if you don't have the time or you don't have the people to play through the full campaign. Each and every game, as I mentioned, gives you a little bit more. But... Never at any point did I feel like, oh, we're going to have to sit here for 15 minutes and really figure out how to play with this rule set. Everything was well incorporated, was extremely enjoyable. Obviously, you need to know how to play Scythe first before you play this because if you don't know how to play Scythe, I don't think this is going to throw you completely. But it's just probably to your benefit to having played this in advance. As I mentioned, it's a campaign game. It's not a legacy game. You're not ripping things up. You're not destroying your board. So no worries as far as that's concerned. Each of these different scenarios play out probably maybe just a little bit longer than your standard Scythe game. Although the win gamut expansion offers you the opportunity to play with some of the different end conditions. I don't recommend that because in the games that we played, it altered the time to a point where we were not happy with playing that game. And some of the different episodes that were available the time varied greatly based upon just special conditions so one of the episodes something triggered and i happened to be in a position and everything worked out and that's that episode ended really quickly with to the dismay of everybody in the room but nonetheless as i mentioned earlier some of the Win gambit stuff if you follow it to the t is going to take you much much longer than is necessary This is a fine, if not amazing expansion and final expansion for Scythe. So Scythe, The Rise of Fenris, even at the MSRP, I'm happy to say the game is worth a buy. The components that come with it, the punch boards that come with it, the rule book that comes with it, all very high quality. The only letdowns again is the end story wrap up. And I will kind of warn you here, when you open the game, you're going to have the rule book. Be very careful as you read it, or you will spoil yourself. And the punch boards that are in the box are absolute spoilers. They're not wrapped in any kind of paper. So it says on the punch board, these punch boards are spoilers. But if you're looking at the punch board to read that, you're kind of getting spoiled. So look away as you pull the stuff out, and you should be okay, and not spoil things too much. But If you do happen to spoil things for yourself by opening and going through the different boxes and punch boards, it's not going to kill you. There's nothing so explosively revolutionary here in the boxes or in the punch boards that you're going to be like, oh, no, I spoiled the game. I can't play it any longer. It's not that type of game. It's just a lot of interesting modules that play out in in a really nice way. So overall, Excellent game. Go out and buy Scythe, The Rise of Fenris if you do like Scythe. If you're on the fence and you kind of like Scythe and you're wondering about which expansion to pick up, this is the expansion to pick up with. I will always play with Scythe, The Rise of Fenris, whereas Invaders from Afar and the Wind Gambit is kind of like it's a depending kind of situation. This is the must expansion for it. You'll play over several campaigns. Only the final one really matters. You'll have your triumph log. That matters in the end. Enjoy this game. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Ah, I'm jealous. I still haven't got mine at the table. So, like, trying to rally my group <laughs> to get it out. Well, we both purchased this at Gen Con, and I got back, and I was so excited. I'm like, we got to get this to the table. And and someone's like, great. And then a couple days later, we finally got to the table. I'm pulling off the plastic off my box, and the guy's like, yeah, I pre-ordered it, and it came. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. I dragged us all the way back from Gen Con. And the copies were already released. So so Stonemaier Games have done an excellent job yet again. But uh, Anthony, you definitely got to get this to the table. Even if you played through solo mode, this kind of expansion made the game for me so much better. It was really what I was looking forward to. All right. It's on the the list. I promise. It's coming. (laughs) All right, everyone. So that's our At the Tables for this week. So now on to our feature review. So for our feature review, if you like brass, dot, 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 you should try out these... Other games. Now, I'm not going to go through Brass again because Anthony did an outstanding job talking about Brass, Lancashire, and and Birmingham, and these new releases of this classic, heavy, crunchy route building game is something that we're both looking really forward to, and we both love a great deal. But if this is the only type of route building commodity swapping game that you've ever played, we want to let you know about other games that institute these great mechanics and themes in a lot of other games. So Anthony is gonna start us off on some great games that if you like brass, you should definitely try out.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I was like, when we put this on the calendar, I was trying to think of something different and unique. And it's funny, because most of the games I could think of that were like brass are designed by Martin Wallace. So it's like, how many Martin Wallace games do we wanna put on this list? So I got a little creative, trying to think outside the box a little, some stuff that maybe, guys haven't thought of or haven't played recently or just haven't gotten a chance to get to the table that give me a similar feeling though they're not nearly the same games so and another note we should make is we're not going to talk about 18xx games because it's not really our wheelhouse we don't play a lot of them haven't really experienced them i know for a lot of people out there that is the next step and that is what you should play if you like brass we can't speak to that i i personally have not played much of those so these are some other games though and i i have one heavy-ish game that's kind of in the same weight class as brass and then a couple lighter ones i'm gonna start with the heavy one though because i think it's closer and that is tramways this is from albin viard and uh, av studio games and it is it takes place in his small city universe uh, alongside town center and clinic and small city and and it's all about building the tramways of small city to get people from place to place. And the game has this really cool, unique auction slash deck building me- mechanic that I really like. And it, it's a really cool way to build up your hand and to m- leverage and manipulate the board um, using these different types of cards. that each have multiple possible actions on them. They have ticket options on them and you can use them in different ways. I really like it a lot. I haven't seen it in any other game yet, and I do like that. But the core part of the game that really reminded me of Brass, or at least a little bit of Brass, is you are building out routes on this map with your own little player pieces, and you're trying to move different citizens uh, between locations that they're on to uh, different types of buildings, and you score points based on how you do that. So it's kind of a pick up and deliver, it's kind of a route builder, has a little bit of auction mechanics in there, But it's all card-driven, very similar to uh, Brass, in that the locations are they correspond directly to the cards you end up with in your hand. If it's an F8 location, there's a card with F8 on it, and that's the card you need to use to manipulate that location. It's not very pretty to look at. Think Food Chain Magnate, but even a little uglier maybe. So not the prettiest thing in the world. Some of the expansion maps and mechanics are a lot nicer, but the core game is not the prettiest thing. But it is right up there and definitely worth checking out if you haven't had a chance to play it in a small city.
0: Well, when I think about brass, I think about the route construction that everyone can use. So I'm going to start off with a Martin Wallace kind of recent classic that has been out there for an exceptionally good price. This is Via Nebula by Martin Wallace, of course, and Space Cowboys. Now, what I really like about this production here is it's one of those kind of situations that it kind of has that days of wonder look to it. So it, it really feels kind of like a gateway game as far as route building is concerned, but really offers a lot of the deep mechanics that Brass brings to the table. So basically what players are going to do is they're going to have only two options at their disposal. So the first option is they can clear off this mist that's going to reveal the map that in order to be able to build. And then obviously second... What they're going to be able to do is open new production sites, open a building site in a city, and then carry resources from those production sites to their building sites in order to build the buildings. And what you're trying to basically do in this game is you're trying to fulfill these different contracts. And the contracts themselves give you a special ability, and that adds a lot of variety to this game. I really enjoy this game for the quality of artwork and production in the game. And yet it has a lot of the nice crunchiness of brass and really follows in the kind of same path in a lot of ways. So if you're trying to get people into brass or if you want to take it down a step a little bit, try out V Nebula. I think you'll really enjoy it.
1: All right. Next one here for me is uh, definitely a bit lighter of a game. And this is Yamatai from Bruno Cathalo and Mark Pacquian. And uh, it's a Days of Wonder release from just a little over a year ago. I think it's our most recent release, actually. And in this game, you have a series of islands on this big map, and you are going to be placing ships down to build a route and reach these islands. And when you reach the islands, you will be able to build buildings, um, take resources off of there that you can use to purchase special abilities. You do all of this by drafting off these different tiles at the beginning of every round that give you certain abilities and ships that you can use. And the reason it reminds me a little bit of Brass is that the ships are actually neutral. The colors of the ships relate to the different types of buildings you're trying to build, but none of them correspond to individual players. So similar to Brass in which once a route is built, anybody can use it in this game, there's that push and pull of if I put that route down, someone else can jump ahead and take that island that I'm looking at. So I'm just gonna wait. And you're always kind of trying to think of when you should put ships down, who they're gonna benefit, cause it's not just gonna be you and how to balance things out and not just give too much away to your opponent. It's definitely a fair bit lighter than Brass, but it has some of those similar ideas and feels to it with a very beautiful, fantastic production um, because it's Days of Wonder. And if you're looking to get people into kind of that whole idea of root building, um, along with kind of those little bits and pieces that make this just that much better of a game, definitely worth checking out Yamatai.
0: Well, another game that utilizes this kind of opening up the lands, building these routes, and then building a route in order to transport and utilize goods is Gold West. Now, Gold West is really interesting because on the surface, it doesn't seem like your typical route-building game. But what you're trying to do here is you're trying to build these different settlement and camping sections. So... By putting your different camps in a row, you'll be able to score additional victory points. But in order to build those camps, you have to mine that area. And by mining that area, you open up that area for building and being able to utilize those resources. So once you open it up, it's available. So you have to be really careful and really quick in order to utilize those resources. Use a mancala on your board in order to move those resources around in order to build those different camps and settlements, score victory points. It's a real fun and fast way of playing those kind of route-building, shipping, and also utilizing resources to the best of their ability. That is Gold West.
1: All right, and the last one I was going to talk about is the lightest of the three. is another Days of Wonder game from 2013. uh, Designer Matthew Dunstan, it's Relic Runners. So Relic Runners is... Again, a much lighter game, it takes about an hour to play, and the whole idea of this is that you are treasure hunters, archaeologists, who are out there trying to find these relics in these different temples. And you do it by moving around this map and triggering different abilities, building up your toolkit, upgrading different things you can do, but really the core of the game and the way to do it properly is to lay down your own tokens and make it so you can move across these routes faster as you move around, you can lay down your own pieces and then you'll be able to shoot across any of those for any point on the map. As as you upgrade everything and make it easier to move around, you can obviously get a lot more actions done. So you kind of build up quickly and accomplish a a lot more things on your turn. As we learned in our initial plays of this game, if you do not do that, you don't get very much done. So the game really forces you to think about where you're building, how you're gonna get there, How are you gonna pick up the different items you're trying to pick up so that you can eventually get those relics that you're going for? Very interesting. It's not a lot like Brass, but if you're looking for a good entry-ish, gateway-ish, a little bit heavier than gateway game that teaches this idea of route building and how to get from point A to point B to get what you need, this is a good place to start for your family.
0: And my final game here is a game that utilizes a lot of the network buildings, and that game is Hansa Teutonica. Now, from the outset, this game seems to be your general dry Euro game, but it offers a lot of interesting gameplay, especially when you're building your network of offices. You're trying to control different cities that are going to allow you to score points and build off your specific player board that's going to give you additional abilities you'll be able to do throughout the game. Now, specifically, after controlling a line between two cities with your pawns, you could decide to build an office and maybe establish control or get a bonus market that's going to really help you long term. Now, these decisions are really tight throughout the game because you're all competing for the same routes and the same cities. And basically what you're trying to do is improve your skills in some of these cities. Players have to improve their trade skills in a number of different areas from getting victory points to getting more action points in order to do different things. And, of course, increasing the number of available pawns that are going to allow you to kind of really maximize the map as possible. This really offers a lot of tie competition. So when I'm playing Haunted Teutonica, I feel a lot of that pressure when I'm playing Brass. It's a fun game and definitely something on a little bit on the crunchy side you should definitely check out. That's Haunted Teutonica. All right, so there are six games that you should definitely check out if you enjoy playing brass. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table.